0: Hi, hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Orange Juice Optional. I am struggling to believe that we're already at the end of March and that it's already another book review, a book club. So without further ado, hey, Suzanne, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, Michelle. How are you today?
0: I'm doing really well. I'm excited to talk about this book because I thought it had so many themes that were so supportive of friendship of finding yourself, like, I thought it was a really good book. I'm happy that you suggested it.
1: Well, I love Jojo Moyes as an author, and so I knew it would be a good book, and I really enjoyed it as well.
0: Well, good. Yeah, we'll get into that discussion in just a minute. But, you know, I wanted to take a moment here to ask you a question because something happened to Rob and I the other night when we were out to dinner, and mm-hmm. it got me thinking, and I was curious about your opinion.
1: I always have an opinion, so
0: fire away. Okay, well this I will call was she a Karen or was she not a Karen?
1: Like if this was a
0: segment, that's what I would call it. So Rob and I, you know, we have Friday night date night. We go to our favorite restaurant every week at 3 o'clock on Friday and this week at 3 o'clock on Friday the bar was completely full. Like we got there at 3.05 and I guess not completely fooled, there were three seats available. But it only looked like two because there were two ladies sitting and then one seat had a bag on it. There was an open seat, a guy, and then an open seat. So there weren't two seats that looked available together. So I had decided, well, we'll just sit back here at one of the tables. Well, Rob didn't want to sit at a table and so he asked the lady, you know, is this just holding your bag or is someone sitting here? And she, you know, pulled her bag away. And she goes, well, I guess if he snoozes, he loses. He's not going to be sitting here. And so she reluctantly gave up the seat to us, which knowing how everything played out was a good thing because he didn't even show up for an hour and a half. And I would have been fuming sitting there had I been courteous and just said, no, like, we'll just sit over here. But thankfully, Rob walked up and handled it. Okay, so the Karen or not Karen moment happened Like a half an hour after we got there, there were, there was a couple sitting behind us at a table and it's not a very big space. And this lady, as soon as the lady sitting next to me, as soon as this other lady walked in, started like making these faces and then picked up my menu and started fanning herself, being kind of wild with the fan because she didn't like how the lady smelled. She didn't like the perfume that she was wearing, which... To me, that felt very passive-aggressive, but it kind of felt like a Karen a little bit. I mean, she didn't attack the woman or anything, but she talked to her friend about it kind of loudly, about how much she hated that perfume, and then, you know, made kind of a scene, I thought. So, would you consider that a Karen move or a not Karen move?
1: It's definitely a Karen move.
0: Okay, even though it was passive-aggressive.
1: It could be Okay, a it wasn't being passive-aggressive. She was making a point, clear and simple. You know, you pick up someone else's menu and start fanning. You talk a little too loudly about the perfume you hate. It's like, come on. That's okay, so, so I'm thin. just
0: being too nice and trying to give her the benefit. But I hate passive-aggressive behavior, so it really isn't giving Right, her the well, and why
1: would now. you give her, why would you give that behavior a the benefit of the doubt. I know, I, I shouldn't. I was embarrassed no.
0: by that behavior. I was embarrassed for the woman sitting behind us who it was her perfume, and I was embarrassed right. for the woman next to us because she had no class or she had no situational awareness, I guess is a right. better term to put to it.
1: Okay, and my one question is, the woman who was wearing too much perfume, which I understand if I'm in an elevator with someone with too much perfume, it. I usually get a headache. You know, that's just the thing with me. But how old was the woman wearing too much perfume? Was she like 21 or was she like 66? Probably in her 40s or 50s, I would guess, but I
0: really can't tell anymore. (laughs) The 21-year-olds sometimes look so sophisticated, like a 35-year-old or something, and, you know, 50-year-olds can look 35. I I can't tell anymore.
1: Well, and I think... People jump to conclusions very quickly when they are when they are inconvenienced or when they're put in an uncomfortable situation, like the woman in the restaurant's wearing too much perfume, therefore I am bothered by it. And she's jumping to a conclusion that this woman maybe does that on purpose. Like she over perfumes to hide body odor, you know, or she over perfumes to attract attention. But it could be something as simple, and the reason I asked about the woman's age is because as you age, your olfacto sense, sense, just like every sense that you have, diminishes. So it's kind of like your eyesight gets worse as you get older, your hearing gets worse, your taste gets worse, and so your sense of smell also gets worse she may not be aware of how much perfume she's wearing because she can't smell it like she used to. That makes a lot of sense. Right. And so it's like it is very judgmental of someone to create a scene, small or large, about why someone is wearing too much perfume or any other issue like that. Right. Because... She doesn't know. And it's like, how dare she? I would be really offended by that behavior, actually.
0: Yeah, I was offended by that. And she was very judgy and she wasn't very happy we took that other seat because Rob and I were sitting there. It's a small, intimate bar and we were talking between us about March Madness and Uh then her and her friend talk, started talking about how much they hate March Madness and how it's such a waste of time and da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like,
1: oh, oh for is the that love a, of God. Yeah, I'm
0: like, is that a slight clap at us because
1: we took your chair? I'm sorry. Like, you know, uh, nobody
0: even showed up for an hour and a half.
1: Yeah, well, and boy, I think this example really lends well to maybe our book discussion. That's why I
0: brought it up, because, you know, as women, we really should be supporting other women and not trying to break them down or feel bad about themselves. So I thought this was a great segue into our book of the month, which which was Someone Else's Shoes by Jojo Moyes. So here we go. Moving on. Okay, here we go. And we're back. And I'm so looking forward to this discussion. I didn't know that I could enjoy reading for a purpose so much. Like I'm really enjoying this. And making myself read and like hit a deadline is working for me. I have no excuses. I I can't make an excuse like I'm too busy or I'll get back to it because I'm enjoying it and
1: it keeps me on track. So I'm loving this. I'm glad that you're enjoying it. You know that I'm a pretty avid reader so it's kind of it's fun to read for me but it doesn't matter for me when it is or where it is but i do have something to add to that okay Um, because i tried something new this week when i was reading the book because in all honesty i was running out of time i'm going to call myself a slow reader I don't have anything to compare it to, but I try to read for 15, 20 minutes every night before I go to bed, and that's minimum. Now let's get in 15 minutes of reading. If I'm reading something I'm enjoying, I could read for an hour or two hours. During the day, I am not a reader. So it takes me a long time to finish a book. And I realized midweek that I wasn't near where I should be with this book. So I decided I was going to do Audible and listen to the book. So when I'm driving, you know, because in in Scottsdale, it takes forever to get anywhere. So I thought, well, while I'm in traffic, I can listen to this book. And that counts as reading. It
0: does count as reading. So did you do a hybrid approach to it? Would you listen to it and then read some? Or did you
1: just listen to the whole thing? Well, no, I started by reading. And then I switched to listening and then I ended by reading and which I definitely prefer reading. But when I listen, I really feel like I'm accomplishing something because it's I'm driving and reading at the same time because I can when you're in the car (laughs) or driving commuting somewhere. It's like, that's all you're, and that's all you're doing. That's like an hour of wasted time. But now I feel like I'm accomplishing something because I'm reading while I'm driving.
0: I love how you look at that. And it definitely counts as reading. You got a book done. And how long does it take to read the book? Seven hours,
1: four hours? Well, and Jeff and I were talking about this and I was laughing because when I downloaded the book, which again, new thing for me, it said it would take me 12 hours and 38 minutes to listen to the book. And I thought that, and Jeff laughed. He goes, oh my God, you're going to do that for 12 hours? But I said, I think it takes me a lot longer to read it, to actually read it. I don't think I could read the book in 12 hours.
0: And I think it took me longer, but not, not much longer than 12 hours.
1: Yes, I think it takes me more like, Okay. And I don't know how many pages are in this book off the top of your head. Do you know how many pages are in this book? Over 400. I want to say like 432 or something like that, right in that okay. ballpark. Okay. And on a good reading night, I read 30 to 40 pages. And then, but it's because I read to fall asleep, to wind down and to fall asleep. You know, sometimes I can get to. 50 pages. So if I'm reading 40 pages in a night, that's 10 nights. So 10 nights. Yeah. So I guess it would take me about 12 hours. It seems to me it would take me a lot longer to read it than to listen to it.
0: Well, I know I started it and I was on a pretty good pace reading a certain amount each night. I knew I was going to try and read like 100 a night or Mm -hmm. right around there, 75 to 100. So it would take me this many nights. I knew I had that long a time. But then something happens, like you get busy or you have a really long day, and when you start to read, you fall asleep and can't remember anything you read. So I got a little bit behind. And so I found myself with a couple days to spare still, but having over 200 pages left to read. And so that night, I'm like, well, I'm going to get at least 100 done. And by the time I checked where I was at, I only had Mm -hmm. 50 pages left. I'm like, well, I might as well finish them because tomorrow's Mm going to be busy. So I did finish the last 200 pages Mm -hmm. in one night, but I thought it only took me like two hours, but it was four hours.
1: Oh, right.
0: I looked at my clock and I was shocked to see that it was like 1130. Right. But it was a good book. It drew me in. Good. So. What do you want to share about this book or where should we start when we are jumping into this discussion? That's
1: a really good question. What are your thoughts?
0: Well, we did find a website that has questions about this book already preconceived, Uh already written out. I guess it's for book clubs or something to think about. Uh And what was the website, Suzanne? It was Penguin something. Penguin House. Penguin com. House, penguinhouse.com. And so they had 10 questions that they put out there for discussion. So I thought maybe we would just read a couple of those questions, our favorite ones,
1: and then answer those. Which sounds good to me. Saying that, sometimes I'm not a real fan of these types of questions about the book, but maybe it will springboard us into a discussion.
0: I think that is a good way to look at it. Once Uh we start on something, we might not even get to two questions. We'll just see where Uh it goes with this approach using someone else's questions. But I do want to say before we start these questions, because as much as we don't want to have spoilers in there, we have read the book. We are talking about the book. So if you haven't read it, if you plan to read it, there may be spoilers in there. Uh And there are a lot of themes in there that we're going to talk about, Uh but just, know that if you haven't you might get some information that you don't
1: want if you haven't read the book so right okay so but first what we should do is give a summary of the story of the book okay don't you think I think so so why don't you go ahead and take this one okay so two women totally different types of life one woman is a very wealthy Woman goes to the gym every day, um, is an avid runner, always worried about her, always thinking, I shouldn't say worried, thinking about her appearance, and she's at the gym doing her workout, and she also has an attitude. She is mean to everyone around her, um, because she can be, she thinks. Other woman is... <laughs> Frankly, living a very depressed life. You know, she has a husband dealing with depression. Uh, she has a shitty job working with men that don't respect her. She has a free day pass to the same gym. She goes, she works out, she leaves, she's on her way home, she discovers she's grabbed the wrong bag. The rich, wealthy attitude woman, when she's ready to leave, realizes That someone has taken, she says stolen her bag. Clearly, she jumped to a conclusion there. And so they have each other's things and their lives evolve from what they find in the bags.
0: Yes, their lives basically, I was going to say, one falls apart and one finds courage or one finds a little bit of a voice by putting on these shoes of the rich
1: lady whose back she actually accidentally took. Correct. Um, Well, and the rich, the wealthy woman blames the loss of her shoes for the snowball of her life falling apart, which in reality is not the case.
0: Exactly. And I thought it was very interesting how they kind of did this, Parallel of two women, two totally different situations, both living a lie basically the rich woman, wealthy woman. She's doing everything to please her man, to be enough for him, to show up for him, to support him. That she doesn't even actually know who she is anymore. She's kind of given up, in my opinion, her own identity. To become this woman that supports her husband and who is there for him and his biggest cheerleader. Yet for him, because he was a pig, I mean, I can't even think of a a better word. It wasn't enough. And he decided he could just discard her like he handled the businesses Ah. he worked with. Right. Just threw her away like it was nothing.
1: Right. And I also think, and then the other woman, she also is doing the same. She's trying to get her husband out of his deep depression. And he, she's doing everything she can to try to please him, to help him. And in the process, she's being tugged a different direction. Like, how much do I have to put up? with? But I also, from the New York Times, I think they've I'm trying to pull that up right now. She, They talk about how invisible women become as they age. And I really felt that to be true, that especially if you let yourself become invisible and how when a team of women come together, it um, compounds itself and you lose your invisible you know being invisible because you build each other up
0: right you're able to be a support system for each other and where right i i think it's wonderful in life when you have those friends that compliment you so well one person sees this in you which you've never even considered about yourself and right then it's like looking in the mirror and they can you know it's vice versa the way that goes
1: right and here is the quote from the new york times review that i liked jojo Moy's intentions are clear this is a novel about women of a certain age who suddenly find themselves invisible to their spouses to their colleagues and to the world and they find pleasure in being seen by each other and i just think that is a great one-line summary of what this book is really about. It's
0: beautiful, beautifully written. And Mm -hmm. even in our own lives, I can say that for so many years, I was Rob's wife or so-and-so's mom. And you really do step into those roles so much Mm -hmm. so that you put your own needs, your own feelings on the back burner. You suppress them for the greatest good of the family, for the greatest good of... Supporting a career or right. And I found that I did that. And so that whole empty nest thing when the kids left, it's about reinventing. It's about building yourself up. But what does that look like?
1: Exactly. And how do you do it? And how do you get there? And how do you make it happen?
0: Yeah, a lot of good friends and a lot of champagne, I guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, and. I think we learned that in this book, a lot of grit and a lot of determination and a lot of, I'm not going to let that voice in my head tell me I can't or I shouldn't or I should um I wouldn't, you know, it's like I can, I will, and I'm going to. Right. And I loved when
0: they were talking about the first time that Sam put on the pair of shoes because She had left the gym, I think in the flip-flops. She opens the bag to put her shoes on. And when she looks in there, they are these red Louboutin Louboutin strappy heels that she's not used to wearing. And so she decides to wear those instead of the flip-flops into the meeting. And it talks about how awkward she felt in them, how she was stumbling in them. And she didn't get the contract because they accused her of, having been drinking before coming to this interview. But everybody loved the shoes. Everybody was complimenting the shoes. So when she went into that second meeting, she tried to find a way to incorporate that or she took on the power of the shoes to present herself in a way that was different than she normally would.
1: Right. And I like how you said that. It's like she took on the power of the shoes because I think it was too soon in the need to wear the shoes for her to, dis- to, to decide anything. She took on the power of the shoes. She realized that how she presented herself made a difference in presenting herself.
0: And that's so true and in our own lives. How have we experienced that? We go shopping, we find this dress that fits just right. Doesn't Mm -hmm. that elevate your self-confidence in that moment? Doesn't that make you feel like you're walking on a cloud and you're untouchable just because you put on this beautiful dress? I mean, I know I've been there.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think everyone's been there. The other thing is you're stepping out of your identity box. Yes, it's very unexpected. Right. Sam never, the character Sam, never imagined herself wearing those shoes. And she saw those shoes as slutty when she first pulled them out of the bag and she was horrified that she may have to put them on. And then when she realized very quickly that they were actually a sign of power, (laughs) her attitude changed because of how she stepped outside of her own way of thinking and discovered, oh, this is how it works.
0: this is how it feels. Yes, definitely. And it kind of just builds from there because she puts those shoes on. She decides to go out that night to a bar. She's getting attention. She's having fun, which she hadn't had for a while because of the situation with her husband being depressed with the situation where all the responsibility was falling on her shoulders to keep everything afloat. She gave herself that night and from that night she felt attractive. And then she, started stepping into, well, what can I do to continue this feeling? I think she started boxing. She started doing things that were more healthy as she approached life, which was in turn building her her confidence. But then you have Nisha, who is the other woman who Uh got the wrong bag, and her reaction was opposite. Her reaction was, so negative. And so she just looked down on it. It was beneath her to have the issues. It was beneath her to uh-huh. be humiliated by everything that had happened. And then that theme just builds because she leaves the gym and she finds out her husband has totally cut her off of everything. She doesn't have her jewelry. She doesn't even uh-huh. have her gym bag. She doesn't have a place to go back to because they won't let her up into her her room at the hotel to get her stuff. She has no credit card, she has no money, but she has a few friends that she can reach out to. Not the friends yeah, not her high society friends, but her helpers in life.
1: Right. Where as one of my favorite or one of my most one of the most telling places in the book is where she realized that with all of the social activities she did with her very wealthy husband, not one of her friends, quote unquote, the people in her life that she considered her friends ever once reached out to her to say, are you okay? How can I help? And I thought that was pretty striking because she obviously never thought about what it meant to have close friends and what friendship really was because she lived in this very superficial, artificial life that she never thought she had to think about it. And so I think that was like a turning point in her world. It's like here, I've spent the last 18 years of my life with this man surrounded by the same very wealthy people and with a flip of a switch they're all out of my life because none of them were true friends
0: right and when you hit rock bottom you reflect you learn a lot and She did. A a big part of the story was her relationship with her son, who
1: Uh
0: her husband was disappointed in, had him in a private school in New York. They were in London. And all she could think about was getting to him. And all she continued to think about throughout the story is how she had let him down, how she hadn't shown up, how she had sacrificed so much to support Uh something that wasn't even real. And, Uh you know, you're, you're hitting rock bottom. You have one person who can get you one night stay at a hotel, and you really do have to look for kindness. And she found that, and she found the support in other women, and they were able to build a bond just because they were kind. They reached out to her in a time of need, and they didn't want anything back in return. They just wanted to be that person, and that was something right. new to her. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I thought it was a very fascinating story. I thought the dynamics were very fascinating. And I uh-huh. love when the two women finally did meet. Nisha came uh-huh. in like a bull in a china shop. She was demanding. She just was, again, accusing this lady who had so much on her plate of stealing her shoes. The lady actually uh-huh. ends up getting fired because, well, her boss was looking for a reason and he chose right. this. But then from there, from that disastrous first meeting from this event that tied them together, they become Uh such good friends and they can
1: support each other on this journey that they're on. Along along with Jasmine, who took care of Misha, and Andrea, Sam's best friend, I think the interactions of the four of them created what true friendship is.
0: I agree, they each came to the table with something. Some experience or some way to lift the other person up, expertise, something that they were seeing that people, when it's yourself, you just don't always see. Exactly. So we haven't got to any of the questions yet. Do you want to look at one or two or do you want to just keep going with the
1: slow of Well, let me, um, yeah, I'm going to, we've already touched on some of the questions. But I'll read the questions and you can tell me if you have anything to add. Like I said, I'm not a big fan of these types of questions, but Nisha lives a life of luxury and privilege. Sam is struggling to make ends meet, yet both share the quality of determination that sees them through their very hard times. In Nisha's case, she is also fueled by anger. Do you think that's true of Sam as well?
0: I think she is fueled by disappointment that grows into anger. I think, you know, she had this life. Uh-huh. And due to circumstances beyond her husband's control, he lost his job. He lost a parent. It set him on this downward spiral he didn't know how to get out of. And so her life was taken away in that moment when those things happened. And Mm -hmm. I think there was a lot of disappointment and a lot of frustration that came from that.
1: I mean, dreams lost. What do you think? I agree with you. But, and this is the cynic in me speaking, I got annoyed with Sam. Before she and Nisha connected, before I, I felt like you're not doing enough to get yourself out of this rut you're in. And I realized that a lot of that was because of the condition of her husband It was because, but I felt like, and she was a very whiny character, a very, I'm really feeling sorry for myself character. And it annoyed me. And in the beginning, when in the very first, I think it was even the first page of the book, where she's breathing in and out and she's having imaginary arguments with other people or other situations and then she has to breathe in and breathe out to get her mind off of it i loved that because i do that myself it's like i can have an imaginary argument with someone who has frustrated me and then i have to pause and i have to breathe in and breathe out and shift gears but it as that wore on i got tired of her Right. And I think
0: she was written that way because Nisha
1: was tired of her, too,
0: when they first met the way that she described her was slouched or not taking care of herself or so she saw that also. So Mm -hmm. I think that's the way the character was written and just showing that state she was in, because sometimes it is hard to pull yourself out of a funk when it gets so routine and so
1: easy. Mm -hmm. It is really hard to do it. It is, but it's also your responsibility to pull yourself out of that funk. And it is. I think we've all been there. I think at some point in our lives, we've all hit more than once that funk that just pulls you down and it's it's like swimming upstream to pull yourself out of it. And But I think it's your responsibility to do that. And I felt- Yeah, change it up to change it up and to pull yourself out of it. And whether it takes counseling, medication, you know, changing your lifestyle, whatever it is, you have to do it. You have to be your own advocate. You have to find your best version of yourself. You have to, and yeah, it's an uphill battle a lot of times in our lives, but that's our responsibility.
0: Definitely, and I know rob and i we get into our routine here and have us who are very comfortable in our home in our space we you know do friday night dinners we do this and this we have the things we do but this weekend he wanted to go do an event in the community it was a daytime event it was chowder fest which i'm not a fan of chowder but it sounded fun and it was outside and it pushed our box to get us out there and say, hey. You know, let's shake up our routine a little bit. Let's go try something new. And it was a lot of fun. And I can see us bringing more of that into our future. But it really was taking that first step, which is hard to do, but it's doable.
1: Well, and I think the point of Jojo Moyes in this book is to make Sam look like this downtrodden woman who has given up on life, has given up on ever seen the light at the end of the tunnel until these other women come in and help her and she helps them and that's how she brings herself out of that downtrodden place she's in and she has been living for so long and i think that's it was just an emphasis of the strength of women
0: I love that, especially this month when we've had International Women's Day or Supportive International Women's Day. I don't know what the exact, or maybe it's the whole month, but I've seen all the stories being posted on social media about Mm -hmm. where they find strength, the women they find strength in, where they find strength in themselves, and it's so empowering, and you need a good friend. You need somebody who lifts you up and will support you and will call you out on your challenges. Or mm-hmm. highlight them so you know how to work with them. And I just really love at the end of the book, Sam did grow a backbone. She right. pulled a fire alarm at right. a hotel to save her friend. She right. went after a new job, which she killed it. And at the end of it, you know, she
1: mm-hmm.
0: is working for a firm that takes over her old firm. And she gets to fire that asshole, the boss right. she had. Who, right. Right. Really held her down, so it's just just a message and a flow throughout it that's so beautiful and so so empowering. Right. So, did you have a favorite character? Is there one you identified with more than the others?
1: Well, I loved Nisha. I hope it's not because I could relate to Nisha because she was really a mean person. <laughs> but in the beginning, in the beginning,
0: true, because she had to be. That was her she, conditioning. Being married to him, right. Right,
1: but I also loved Jasmine. Well, and Andrea, okay, because I liked Andrea too. What about you?
0: I would say kind of there were things I loved about each of the characters. And I would say probably Nisha because her journey. Okay, I go back to something you said in the last podcast when we were talking about how maybe I rubbed off on you and you said something along the lines of it being harder from going from a cynic, a cynic to a nice person or going from, you know, being more annoyed uh-huh. by something to a nicer person. And that's kind of what I thought about her journey. She went right. from being this very brash, this very confident, uh-huh. this very mean person to somebody who had compassion, somebody who wanted to help. And I think that right. journey just
1: was incredible. Right. But she couldn't have made that journey without Jasmine.
0: No, she couldn't have.
1: No, she would have been on the streets is, and right, could have been is, dead. Right, which is why I think I liked Jasmine so much because, yeah, Jasmine she was, kind of was the first person that kind of kicked her out of her um, snobbery, for lack of a better word. Yes, and she's the first one that taught her
0: really about how to be compassionate and aware of other people because there was this opportunity where she could go into her old penthouse at the hotel, and she did. And she took all of her clothes out, and as she's walking away with them, Jasmine is there, and she used Jasmine's key to get in, and Jasmine's like, I'm going to lose my job. Like, you can't do this. We'll help you. I'll help you find a way To get your stuff back, but please don't do this to me. I need this. I have a daughter I'm supporting. And in that moment, she found compassion. And so I I love watching that all unfold, their friendship unfold, and the support. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you want to share about this story before we move into wrapping this episode up? No, I'm looking through the questions that. Got to one. I'm impressed. Yeah. We at least got to one.
1: Well, we actually answered several of them because who is the character you like best and which one do you relate to the most? Because this book is about nothing if it's not about female friendship. We didn't talk. One of their questions is about Sam and Phil's marriage. Do you think she should have um, let herself pursue a possible love affair with Joel? In my opinion, it's like, Either divorce the guy or stay with the guy. Don't have an affair while you're married to the guy. You know, it's so...
0: I think they she ended com- up where she needed to be with that one. I think they each had
1: love for each other. They just had to work through their hard times. Right. And I think they got complacent in their relationship because I do believe, in my opinion, at one point in their marriage, they were very much in love. And then life got them both down. And they became complacent about taking care of each other's needs. And agree. And the answer is not to turn to another love interest and have an affair with them. You know, so yeah. So that question, point. yeah. So.
0: Yeah, no, I thought it was a very well-written book, and I would highly recommend it to anybody who needs a pick-me-up, anyone who wants to remember Mm -hmm. how strong they are and how important the journey of self is, Mm -hmm. the journey of friendship is, and yeah, I liked it a lot. Thank you for recommending it.
1: Absolutely. Great author.
0: Yeah, it's a little different than the book we're going to be reading next month, different genre, but I'm excited about Mm -hmm. that book, so you guys will just have to wait until next week when I announce
1: it looking forward to it. Yes.
0: Okay, well, I guess we've come to the end of this episode, and it is your week to give us something to sip on, Suzanne. So what inspiring or funny quote do you have for us today?
1: Um, I have it here. Once I learned to like me more than others liked me, then I didn't have to worry about being the funniest, or the most popular, or the prettiest. I was the best me, and I only ever tried to be that.
0: That should be each one of our
1: goals. Like, that's beautiful. Right, and that came from, I don't know who this is, but her name is Issa Ray. Okay, well,
0: thank you, Issa. We'll be thinking about that as this next week goes on. So until next week, Cheers, everyone.
1: Cheers.